Hello and welcome to Scary Pair, a horror movie podcast between partners. I'm Nine. <laughs> Not horse! <laughs> Not horse! I'm Opal. And this week we watched Hereditary by Ari Aster. Yes. Uh, but before we get into that, Opal, what have we been up to since last episode? We saw some stuff. We saw some stuff. I made you watch Gladiator. It's the most movie of all time. It's extremely movie. I So my whole pitch for it was that Joaquin Phoenix is a big weirdo in it. And it was your favorite thing about the movie, correct? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, but it's a it's a dude's rock movie. It's a it's a man pain movie. He was the Joker of Rome. That's right. Uh, he's looking normal in that movie. I know he looks. You could say healthy in that movie, <laughs> despite looking like a sickly little sycophant. No, he is they, actually quite healthy looking yes, compared to some of his other roles. Comparatively, that's right. He's uh, not um, looking too hot these days. Yeah, that that oddly enough ties into our movie this week. Anyway, um, so we but we've also been watching. So we're prepping. Yeah. Because the House of Usher TV show is coming out. Yeah, I heard uh, from some people they said it was really good before release. So I'm looking forward to that. So we needed to catch up with the other show that we haven't seen by those people because we've seen um, ha- ha- uh, Hill House. And Bly Manor. Bly Manor. Uh, Which I I wasn't as big a fan of Bly Manor. Hill House is really good, but skipping Midnight Mass was kind of a mistake because I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, Midnight Mass is great. I'm yeah. I'm loving it so far. Uh it's a lot of fun. I think some of the dialogue is a little stupid sounding, but it's good. It, overall it's good. I, I have fun with it. I like the characters. I'm into it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Can't exactly spoil what it's about, but they knew what they were writing about. They knew they did their homework. A hundred percent. I do have to say, as a as a person who is raised Catholic, I object a little bit to their use of Catholicism in this movie. Even though, even though it does make sense aesthetically, you pointed this out to me, and it's true. Catholicism is like the the sexy denomination. Yeah, it's got it's got more like a aesthetically cool things going on it is like the cool part about catholicism yeah uh yes but i i do think like some of the themes in the show lean more a little bit more into like a a modern kind of american protestantism but whatever that's what i thought at first but then like the twists start coming and i feel like that fits in more with catholicism as well they're bringing it back they're bringing it back anyway uh also like the central metaphor would not work if it weren't for Catholicism, for stupid procedural reasons that we can't spoil because we can't talk about yeah. the show too much. But yeah. anyway, I'm enjoying it. Um, Midnight Mass good. Yeah, it's uh, great. I love it. Looking forward to House of Usher. I want to watch the the Roger Corman, Vincent Price fall the House of Usher movie as yeah. prep for, for it. So, yeah. Well, I have a feeling that it's going to be like kind of the house of usher the way that bly manor was like kind of the turn of those <laughs> i feel like house of usher works better for that kind of thing yeah yeah uh i mean you know it's it's poe right so yeah. you can kind of you can kind of build on it however you want yeah that's kind of why i wasn't as into bly manor because like they took direction from kind of like an iconic story and then kind of dropped it 
for like mm. some weird melodrama that I wasn't really in for. Yeah. But so, anyway. Anyway. Uh, but we watched a movie. Yes. We watched Hereditary. It's the Finally. start of uh, Fall, Fall Favorites. Favorites 2. Fall Favorites 2. The Fallening. The second one. Yeah. Uh, but the first movie, this, this go around, and uh, this was your pick. Yes, this is my pick because this is one of my favorite movies. Even though it's a more recent pick, I think it's safe to say that it belongs in that space. I think so. We've seen this movie a ton. Uh, we both really like it. Uh, we're, you know, I would say we're Ari Aster fans. Well, he's made like three movies. That's true, and we haven't even seen all of them. Yeah. So, um, but you know, um, we're... no, we we haven't watched. Um... Bo is afraid. We haven't watched that yet. Yeah, that's the Joaquin Phoenix tie-in. Yeah, where he doesn't, uh, <laughs> he doesn't look too good either. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, uh, so we'll we'll talk about it more, but um, yeah, I would say we're both like, we both like the kind of A24 artsy horror movie. Kinda. Like, I'd say- I feel like this is like as good as it gets in that regard. I feel like yes. uh, after this had some success, they started getting weird with it. So there's, uh, I was like looking up facts about Ari Aster uh, as preparation for this. And I guess he is like a really big horror movie fan. Like, well, yeah. Like really obsessive about horror movies and like would watch like all the horror movies in the video store kind of a person. So like, I feel like there is a version of, just because horror is kind of like an easy entry point for a lot of like maybe more artistically minded directors into, you know, filmmaking... I feel like some people who aren't really horror people end up making, like, these... Really literal. These, like, artsy family drama horror movies that, like, aren't very good. I mean, they're just copying Hereditary at the end of the day. Pretty much. I mean, there's, like... I think this is now, like, a fully developed space to the point where, like, there is kind of, like, boring versions of it. But this is good. This is fucking it. Well, yeah, because you can tell he knows what he's doing because he cares about the genre. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's exactly my point. So, uh, you know, introducing um, um, the production a little bit. So Ari Aster, he went to AFI, the American Film Institute, uh, for, like, film grad school. Um, and he made a really fucked up short film uh, in 2011 about incest. And uh, everyone really liked it. And then he made a bunch more short films. And it, I have I have heard of it. I have not seen it. I've I've read the synopsis, and it's it, it's real fucked up. Yeah. Uh. So um. You know, a twenty four um was kind of like really kind of cresting and breaking the wave in twenty eighteen and twenty seventeen when this was filmed, especially. So, um, you know, like I think the first. I was uh, I was kind of shocked at um. I read that uh, It Comes at Night was like their second or third most successful at that point, which surprised me a little bit. Yeah. Because I, I didn't vibe with that movie <laughs> at all. I, I thought it was dreadfully boring. Yeah, I think the most like emblematic A24 movie up to this point was The Witch. The um, Witch, definitely. Which they didn't actually produce. They just bought the distribution rights for, um, similar to like Ex Machina in 2014. Um, but... You know, this is, like, A24's, um, like, path of uh, ascendancy in filmmaking. Like, you know, um, in between, like, 2017 and now, um, you know, A24 is now, like, Moonlight and Lady Bird and everything everywhere all at once, which 
almost swept the Oscars. So yeah. uh, A24 is like fully ascendant now it's, in filmmaking. Yeah, it's a it is... real movie studio. And they didn't need to, they didn't even need to be a part of the strike because they gave it to the union <laughs> immediately. So they kept yeah. making movies. Yeah. Good for them. Um, but you know, they're, they're, um, I would say like they're critically ascendant as like a, as like a studio at this point, as like an independent studio. Yeah. Um, and you know, movies like this are a big part of it. I think this movie I mean, got, I feel like, like we've needed that for a long time. We need the A24s of the world so that stuff like this does get made because yeah. otherwise it's, it's all Disney. You know? Yeah, it, it's interesting because um, um, one thing that I was, like, reading about the other day that just happens to kind of tie into this is, like, in the 90s, there was a big, like, constriction in the independent film market where, like, kind of Miramax took over kind of the whole thing and they became almost kind of like a mini studio. And A24, in a lot of ways, is kind of doing a similar thing where, like, they have a lot of money. Like, they have, you know... a hundred and fifty million dollar credit line with wells fargo or whatever and signed a billion dollar deal with apple or not a billion but you know a lot of money deal with apple to do stuff for them so like they've got money to be doing this stuff but they are still an independent studio um and it's just kind of interesting the way that like this size of studio is like very effective at like capturing the kind of critical attention but then also like just enough public attention where the movies are like they get seen and they, they make a ton of money and this this movie made a ton of fucking money for an independent it did. studio the the weird part is because this wasn't long ago i remember there was marketing for this which is kind of surprising because it's ari aster's first kind of film debut yeah this is his feature debut um and it's such a weird movie to do that with yeah. But I remember seeing ads for this a lot and a lot of people went to see it. And our theater was packed. We we yeah. sent we went to see it opening weekend, I think, cuz we were hearing about it being really good. That or close to it. I mean, it was yeah. definitely like one of those movies you hear about. Um and you know, we like it. Um um circling back to like Aster a bit. I think like this is still probably his most like important thing that he's made um like we you know he obviously goes on to make midsummer which kind of i would say like was well liked people but... talk about midsummer a lot it was kind of mimetic in the culture for that year but i think this is the more impressive movie easily to me yeah i think this movie's got like a really strong cast um it kind of leans into all of Astor's like thematic stuff that he's into like um cults and family trauma um you know like uh all of his other stuff like one of his other successful short films uh, is called munchausen because of munchausen I, by yeah, proxy I can, I can guess what that one's about yeah uh, it's one of those um and you know not um, a real diagnosis anymore by the way oh that's fascinating yeah. uh you know and i know that Bo is afraid is also about like a dude's relationship with his mom um also what this movie is about <laughs> yeah um so you know, this is kind of just like his little uh, corner of what he's does. You know, he's like a he's a writer director type. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, a real like uh, like kind of guy who gets pegged as like a film auteur guy. But I think this movie is like him at his best, basically. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, um, it's hard. It's hard to peak on your very first movie, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, like, it's like what? Where do you go from there? I mean. You know, it's interesting, like, I'm curious to see 
it, you know, Bo is Afraid is very weird and very different from the previous stuff he's done. I'm curious to see if he'll do more weird and different stuff yeah. or if he'll go, I'm interested. like, a different direction. But, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely interested. Um, you know, it feels like 2018-ish was just, like, a really big time for indie horror movies and we're still kind of living in that world. So, interesting to see, like, if anybody else picks up that torch and runs with it or if it's, if he's, like, done with it. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, Eggers is still in the scene, too. Yeah, but he's doing all kinds of weird stuff. Like, Yeah, I mean, he's doing Nosferatu next. Yeah, that I'm curious to see how that movie is. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, that's kind of like the preamble for the movie. I feel like, you know, this is a recent enough movie that most people are like familiar with Hereditary. Like Most people that have wanted to see it have seen it, I feel. Yeah, uh, I'll definitely anticipate and if you that like... I'd... I kind of don't know why you're here, but maybe maybe you're too scared to see it. That's okay. That is okay. It's a scary movie. <laughs> it's a scary movie. Uh, you know, I feel like this will probably be one of our like more well-known movies that we that we pick. Um, so, or at least more uh, well seen by our listeners. I guess we, we did just way. do The Ring as well. That's true. Yeah, for we sure. Do, we do those every once in a we while. We do popular movies and stuff, but this one is like pretty recent. I would expect like a lot of people who are like into the horror genre to have seen. Currently, yeah. Hereditary. Yeah. That's a good point. To the point where like I'm sure there are people out there who are like super over it, who are like, <laughs> "Ugh, why can't we talk about different movies?" I know. There there's also the kind of like backlash to the backlash to the backlash where people are like, "It wasn't that good." Where I'm kind of <laughs> like, "Come on now." <laughs> I mean, I enjoy it. Like I've seen like other movies that people claim are better than this movie and I just don't agree. Yeah. Like this movie's just good. Uh, for reasons that we'll get into. Yeah. So, uh, you it's, know. It's my fall favorite, and you can't take that from me. <laughs> All right. Let's get into the fucking summary. We open on an obituary for Ellen Lay uh, at 78. We don't get a lot of information about Ellen from this obituary. Well, that's not what obituaries are for. <laughs> it's very by the book. Uh, but, you know, cut to a treehouse. It's kind of floating. This treehouse is weird. I don't like it. It's a creepy treehouse. It's like perfectly framed by these trees where it's almost like a like a hand holding it up or something like that. It's creepy. I don't I don't vibe with the treehouse culture. Ooh, I want to vibe with the treehouse culture, but we tried to do one and we stopped. Oh, I like your in your backyard. Yeah. I never had it's like just a... a platform on a tree now. <laughs> I never had like a backyard big enough for like a treehouse. No, uh, that's a that's the treehouse culture. You have to have a backyard first. That's right. Um, you know, I think my thing about treehouses is I just can't imagine them being like comfortable. They're not. Yeah, they're they're a place where you can be alone. Yeah. First of all. Yeah, the backyard is also that. Yeah, but. <laughs> I like just walking in the woods. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fair, that's fair. Um, so, anyway, uh, next we see a messy little art studio. I'd love to, to I love have this, this kind of a space. art studio. Yeah, we've really captured the, like, crafter's dream of just having hundreds of tiny, tiny little drawers oh, with stuff in them. They've got... Because that's what I have going on My also. favorite thing are the, did you see these? It was like the library drawers that you keep like the library cards in that's been like repurposed into yeah. craft drawers. That's sick. Pe- I know. I've seen people do that with magic cards. Oh yeah. Which is cool. Um, so, got you. 
uh, we zoom in into like a little model house, a little model bedroom. The dioramas are so good. They're so good, and this settles into a real bedroom. It, it does. Uh, the, I would say okay. The the big Ari Aster move uh, is to start with like a normal shot, and then you slowly fuck it up a little bit until it becomes not a normal shot anymore. <laughs> And you can it can either be like we're going upside down or we're doing a weird zoom into like a new place or we're doing something. That's called directing. It's good. It it sets a mood and a tone. Uh, he's he's being weird with it. So uh, uh, we've got uh, dad. He's waking everybody up. He's waking up uh, son and daughter who are still asleep. Daughter is sleeping in the treehouse. Mom is. Just sitting angrily in the car. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Which that's, is, what, that's what moms do. That's a whole... That's so much information right away. Um, I, I love About that. About the family dynamic. Yeah, yeah. Just like the kids are not awake and the mom is fully dressed in the car ready to go to uh, the funeral. Uh, the, for the coldest fucking funeral you've ever seen for uh, this lady that is it's mentioned in the intro. It's a packed house, though. It is. She, uh, people came. People showed up. People definitely showed up. People turned up. Yeah. Um, we we learned that Grandma was very private and very difficult. What a what a what a speech to give at a funeral. Like I didn't know my mom. She was weird. <laughs> my mom was mean to me, and I didn't like spending time with her. You can't say that though. And now she's dead. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's basically the speech she gives. I, my favorite thing about the speech is that. It it's like cl- Logan Roy's funeral. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite thing about the speech is there are very clearly like joke laugh lines um, written in, but um, Tony Collette's uh, character Annie like cannot bring herself to give her voice any inflection at all. So she just reads everything super flat and super sadly, so nobody laughs. Uh, it's really good. It's it's re- not a laughing crowd. No, but it's very much like uh, I had hopes for where I was going to be at emotionally for this funeral, and I did not get there. That's that's also <laughs> very true. That's a good catch. Yeah. Um, uh, we get to, you know, see a little bit of the funeral. I took more looser notes this time. This is a movie that we've seen a bunch, but any, like, interesting other bits from this funeral? We, we get, like, a little bit of the character's mannerisms, especially the daughter, Charlie, um, yeah, she's she's kind of fidgeting with stuff kind of the whole time. You you get the kind of vibe that she's maybe a little bit aloof, kind of maybe semi-spectrum behavior. She's coded. Yeah. I mean, she's like drawing at the funeral. She like pulls also, out I mean, she the, pulls out a full chocolate bar and just starts eating it. <laughs> maybe maybe a little bit socially uh doesn't care about what's going on around her, but yeah. They're also just kids like that. Lots of lingering shots but, of her looking at the yeah. corpse. Uh, I I mean, as a kid at a funeral, that's all you just kind of do. You're just kind of confronted with the fact that you're looking at a corpse. I remember that when I went to my great-grandma's funeral I'm, when I was The eight. same for me. Yeah. yeah. It's, I a, remember, it's a weird phenomenon, it, and I don't know why we do it. It's very strange, yeah. <laughs> um, we're back at the house. Uh Annie is putting her mom's hospice room into her miniature display. This is like her coping mechanism is she will like take uh, uh, emotionally fraught scenes from her life and turn them into a little diorama. Um, I think I think it's a formula for success. It seems to have worked for her so far. You're looking at me like I'm crazy. 
but I think it's hard to say that whatever she's doing has worked for her up until this point. But I she's alive. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely see the the idea about like um, kind of discharging your emotional stuff via art, right? That makes a lot of sense to me. But it does seem obsessive in a way that is not discharging those feelings. It is honing in on them and hyper fixating on them in a way that's maybe not super healthy. Who can say whether it's good for her or not? <laughs> Um, uh, the daughter, Charlie, also draws to express herself. Um, yeah, she's, she's coded. I, I'm just, I'm just gonna say it. Like, She's uh, not as good at the art, though. No, it's scribbles. Uh, she also does her own little weird crafts, too. Oh, she loves making constructs. Yeah, you pointed you, this you out. Ever, you ever know someone who loves to make a construct or an idol? <laughs> I've been that person. Wow. <laughs> not in this way. Not in this way, but when I was a kid, I did make little guys out of stuff. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's fine. I like making little guys. But I like playing with dolls. That's a thing that I like. You can't involve organic materials. That's a great <laughs> We'll get some more of that later. Um, uh, Annie, the mom, finds a note um, from her mom to her and her mom's old things telling her that, um, you know, all her sacrifices are worth it. It'll be worth it. You'll see. <laughs> it's the note has a vibe of, you'll see. Uh, and she will see because she looks up from the note and uh, sees her mom's ghost in the corner. I I love this whole, this whole through line through this movie of, what if you looked in the dark and there was just a person there? Who's and not supposed to be there. Which, I don't think a lot of... <laughs> Things have explored up to this point, but it's such, like, a animal fear yeah. that, like, you feel when you're kind of, like, staring in the dark. Like, what is that over there? Yeah, you're staring in the dark, and there's a person. You can't really fully see them. Are they there? They're definitely they're definitely there, and they're looking at me. Yeah, it's easier to tell in this scene because you're meant to see her, but it will happen in more <laughs> subtle ways. Yeah. Uh, we cut to a uh, another diorama where... Um, Annie is breastfeeding, and her... And her mom's pulling her old titty out. Yeah. It's yeah. scary. Uh, we, we learned during the kind of, um, the kind of, uh, I forget exactly what you call it, but the, uh, at the funeral, we learned that mom had some dementia in her older age and was very attached to the daughter, Charlie. So maybe this is an episode, maybe it's... An argument, maybe. It, there, there's a lot um, of information being communicated here, but none of it makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> she says at some point that uh, she had to give her her daughter, which kind of implies that she just did. Yeah. Like, not that she, like, fought that much. Yeah, it's interesting because all of her dioramas seem to be of real events. Um, and this one is the most, like, uh, unworldly or unreal of them and it's just also there yeah um so the only thing you're really meant to or able to draw from that is that this happened yeah which um, is and you have disturbing. to yeah and you have to kind of put the pieces together yourself um now, now we're in school the next day uh charlie's being weird there's a gumball machine in her class i know I, it's Does, not just a gumball machine it has like m&ms yeah that seems like that seems like not what you want kids on sugar it, all day. It, it is what i want for unless, me. It, unless it's a prize <laughs> now we're in the son peter's class and he's learning about how the hero is outdone by his fatal flaw 
Like Heracles, who was arrogant, he refused to look at all the signs. But it was his destiny. And does that make it more or less tragic that all the characters are pawns in this hopeless, horrible machine? It makes you think about what's about to happen. I love when horror movies do this shit. I love when movies do this, where it's like... That's a movie that... That's called... We have a word for that. It's called foreshadowing. <laughs> that's fucking right. It's, it's just... It's a literary term? Uh, But, like, there are a lot of classic horror movies where, like, it's set in a high school and, like, a teacher is, like... Uh, oh, yeah. telling this, a story this, this specifically like here's our lesson about the movie yeah teacher thing. that's always funny here's a story to get you thinking about how this story that you're um currently watching yeah, yeah i love that yeah um, that's funny anyway um charlie goes and uh, cuts a dead bird's head off uh she her all of her clothes are very ill-fitting i noticed you think they're hand-me-downs from her brother could be could also be that um just her uh, parents are kind of neglectful in dressing her or buying her clothes. I mean, it's also kind of a coded thing where, like, yes. that's, uh, it's what's most comfortable. Yes, I um, uh, relate to this a lot where it's like I have to wear very ill-fitting clothes because if anything is clingy or touching me, I will notice it constantly was, and it will drive kinda, me crazy. Yeah, I was kind of that kid that would wear, like, the same jacket every day just because like it was what i knew it's my my comfort piece of clothing that i feel fine in so it's like your armor that you put on yeah definitely um the uh cemetery calls the dad uh the the line is dropped what do you mean by desecrated (laughs) yeah i would ask for more details on that uh but then he tells the wife oh no everything's fine uh-huh. Just a billing yeah, thing. Yeah, well, I feel like he should have told her. Perhaps, um, but it's okay. It's time for her to go to group therapy. Also, this family has a dog. We're yes. never going to see the dog. The dog's in like three scenes. It haunted me this whole movie. Like, what's that Where's dog, the dog doing What's this the dog whole doing? Time? This is... Because if you have a dog, I've, I've learned this from working with dogs very closely this past year. Uh, they're all up in your business. What All do- the time. What dog sitting does to a motherfucker? Well, I know <laughs> you're dogs. So, you're so dog branded. You see a dog in the movie, and you're constantly like, Where "Where's the dog? the dog? Where's the dog? Where is he? Who's paying attention to the dog? What's in his mouth? What's the dog doing?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I I enjoy this group therapy scene. Um, we learn. Oh yeah, uh, some you get stuff. you. It's a great. Uh, it's a great mechanic for her explaining. Yes. Her deal. This is like lore dumping in a fantasy book. It's like, okay, now we're going to tell you about the history of the kingdom and all of the empires and the throne. And it's like, yeah, we're going to learn about... um, Therapy is just like this, though. Yeah. Yeah, you just, you lore dump to people. Uh, (laughs) um, But I do, I do like this. Um, Even though it is very much just her stating her deal, there is a lot that's implied and a lot you can read into. Like, she talks about how... She's been in group therapy before, and it's something that's helped her for something else. We don't know what. Um, uh, <laughs> she dropped something about her mom's DID, which I yes. think is very corny. Specifically, we're talking about DID. But I think that becomes very relevant later when you start to see... Um... The some events. things, some things that come up. It's one of those things where, like, if you've read the DSM, you're like, oh. That's a piece of information. (laughs) Um, But I do think it's corny. Uh, um, You know, I think the one uh, good version of this, though, is that 
we learn that, oh, yeah, you know, my dad was a psychotic depressive and uh, my brother had schizophrenia about my mom putting people inside of him. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I love that drop. They're like, yeah, you know, my brother was crazy. Of course he said that my mom was trying to put someone inside of him. Which, uh, you know, this movie I think is definitely, like, very rewarding on, like, rewatch for that reason. Definitely. Not that it wasn't amazing the first watch, but on the second watch you catch a lot of stuff. The thing is, like, it does, like, prime you on first watch to, like, look out for weird stuff. Mm -hmm. But then on second watch, like, all of this is immediately apparent and yes. has extra meaning to it. Definitely. Immediately. So it's it's fun. Um, she also says that, um, you know, she's here partially because her family does not emotionally support her. She cannot bring her issues with her mom to them because they will not help her resolve those things. And um, I mean, I think she kind of gets proven right a little bit as she starts to suffer and kind of no one is there for her yeah i think there's kind of like two readings about this character in this movie one is that like she's a very lonely person who's very hurt and who is not um served by the people in her life you know this kind of like um wife who gives everything in their life to their husband and their kids and their family but receives nothing back and is the bearer of all the trauma right but i think the other side of this which is really interesting and i'm really glad this movie goes there is it's also about someone who is a little too proud to get help, a little too um, has their guard up at all times, um, refuses to take the blame because they're so afraid of being blamed for something. Well, um, I think I think that's the nuance of kind of this this writing is like a lot of people do have multiple dimensions like that. Like sometimes yeah. it can be both, you know. Yeah, and depending on like how you feel on any given watch, like you can feel like more sympathy towards her or more like she is the villain of the movie yeah we um, were we were joking about like what watch that the, this was gonna <laughs> be and i think i think this is a pro peter watch for me i think for me it was explicitly an anti annie watch um i just like i see all of these patterns of behavior she's in and you know she talks about this like more in detail later but just um she is resentful towards her kids that do not love her but they do not love her because she harms them and she is their parent and it is not like on their on her kids to bridge the gap there and be vulnerable it is on her yeah and she refuses to do that and because of that she just drives the wedge further and further in and makes yes. it worse and worse I, and yes i think both things are true <laughs> it was just something that uh for no reason no reason at all uh hit me <laughs> very strongly this on this watch um anyway uh we get, you know, uh, some shots of Charlie inside the house. There's people watching outside the house. You see their breath in the air, in, like, I, the cold yeah, air. I noticed that as well, that there's, like, a puff of... Like, someone something. is breathing. It's like, oh, wait a minute. It's it's one of those things where, like, it's a little detail. Uh -huh. You're not paying too much attention. You're going to miss it. But it, it adds a layer of, like, yeah. <laughs> like, if you notice it. Um... We also learn that uh, the next day, Charlie does a little clicking noise. As she, yeah, it's kind of like a, it's like a, like a stimming, self-soothing thing she does. Like a, Yeah, just another coded thing. Yeah. I did show like this. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of kids do also, but I, I wonder where this comes from. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I think, like, this is an interesting trait to give a character in your movie because it is, like, oh, a... I mean, 
it pays dividends. Yeah. They like, use it to they... <laughs> full to full capacity. Definitely. Uh, I, I think I think they uh, take advantage of, of like a, this little character tick in a really good way. Going going to middle or high school when this movie came out must have been really annoying though. <laughs> oh, I bet. Just people people just doing don't... it all the time. Um uh, we learn that, uh, so Annie, she's making these dioramas to show at a gallery. Um, and the gallery is kind of hounding her a little bit about getting this stuff done. Um, I really, on this rewatch, one thing that I really focused in on is they're actually being very nice to her. Yeah, I mean, um, it's it's reasonable, collaborative stuff. Like, we just want to see a progress pick. Like, where are you at? It's because they have, like, Lee... You know, they've invested space for this artist, so they yes. want to hear back from the artist. Like, yeah, I don't you, think that's, you get the idea that like this I don't is think her. That's crazy. You get you get the idea that like this is her deal. This is like what she does as an artist. She makes these dioramas. Like she's good at it. Like she is. Very, this is not the these, first time she's yeah. making these. This is probably not the first time she's shown these. This is probably not the first time this gallery has asked her to show them. Right. So it's one of those things where like. Obviously, obviously, an onset artist made these, but they are very impressive. Yeah, um, they are probably basic, a team of people made these. Yeah, to scale, to realism, they're crazy. Yeah, but what one thing that I really appreciated is, um, I think there are again two ways to read this, where you can read it like, oh, the gallery is hounding her, and this is another like pressure that is building up in her mind that's obliterating her because her mom just died and her family's not helping her with it, and she's not over it while she has this deadline looming but also they are being very gentle about it and they are there is like no tone at all that they are like hounding her down it is all kind of this like mental fortress that she has built up so you know i think we're meant to assume that maybe there is a real threat there that this will get pulled and i mean she'll I, lose money or something maybe like that. i would think that if they didn't keep saying if you need an extension, just ask. Yeah. Because they say that over and over e- again. Exactly. Paying, like, special attention to the literal words they said this time made it seem like, oh, yeah, I can see... She could have just asked. I can see exactly how somebody um, feels immensely pressured by this, even though the other person, the, like, collaborator is trying very hard to not pressure them and actually be um, very reasonable, but she can't see it that way because of her own... Stuff. Because she's stubborn. Yeah, because, you know, she can't Self-admittedly, be... Self-admittedly, she's stubborn. Well, and she can't be seen to be failing. She can't be seen to be late or be not working on something because of her own personal reasons. Like, it would be totally reasonable to be like, sorry, my mom died and she was in hospice and I was taking care of her, so, yeah, this project is just kind of difficult for me to work on right now. Like, that would be a totally... Um, any any art museum worth their salt would give them the as many extensions as they want to get the trauma art out of the things that <laughs> happens to this woman. Because she's making some crazy she's shit. Made, oh, she makes some stuff. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's really interesting in the, in the way where, like, her, her character failures make it so that she cannot accept this, um, this the reality of the situation that she's not okay things are not going well and it is not necessarily her fault but she has to ask for help and she does not want to do that yeah um uh as kind of like an extension of her feelings about this she bullies peter into bringing 
Charlie with him onto a uh, high school party, with the implication being so that he won't uh, have sex or smoke weed or or drink, um, because you know his uh, we later learn his thirteen year old sibling is there with him. Yeah, so um, not a crazy age to bring her to a party, but also it's like she doesn't really belong there. No, not at all. Like, you know, the actress looks fairly young, and because she is, like, coded in the way she is, like... She does look young in the face, but I think from her demeanor and kind of the way she talks and everything, I believe it's a 13-year-old. Like, I would believe middle school. Yes, but at the same time, she's, you know, uh, scribbling horrible little doodles in in a notebook and is coded to seem, like, much younger maybe than she is. Uh, that could also be true. Um, and, you know, the kind of thing that would make you a social pariah at a party, which uh, <laughs> implicitly is like pissing Peter off a bit, right? Um, so. Uh, she doesn't want to go either. Yeah, she she explicitly does not want to go. I was very much this kid. Like, I, I wouldn't want to go to a fucking no. high school party when you're a 13-year-old. Like, what the fuck am I going to do? You don't you belong know? there. Like, no one's going to want to talk to me. I'm not going to be able to do anything. I'm just going to be stuck here until my shitty brother wants to leave. Uh, you know. Maybe she should smoke weed. <laughs> it would fix her. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, they, uh, they drive off and we see uh, a symbol on a, on a post. Uh, yeah, the, the weird symbol on her mom's necklace is on the telephone pole, which I yeah. noticed this time. A- another one where it's just like little details if you're out looking for it. There's lots of little recurring things, like the symbols everywhere. Um, we see Annie putting a lot of really dark shit into her exhibit. Uh, I didn't note like what the specific thing is, but it's a lot of like her mom dying uh, kinds of uh, things. The one that got me is her standing in the doorway. Yeah, like I think this ghost. is. I think this is the one. Yeah. Um, Which I, the artistry of whoever made these, it's like the dress is like a little o- opaque. You can like see through it. It's a like bit. lit perfectly it's, too, where yeah. you like it looks like a person standing. It just um, looks like a person at a door. Yeah, but it's, it's too scale, like really tiny. Like I don't know how people do that stuff. <laughs> it's very cool. Um... So Peter, you know, kind of uh, predictably just kind of dumps Charlie off at the party so that he can smoke weed with the girl that he thinks is cute. Um, it's really funny. <laughs> the conversation they have is very, like, simply like, go eat cake. <laughs> yeah, know? just... The cake is for everyone. Don't you want to go eat cake? No, I can't go up and talk to people. Well, you had... Do it. It's fine. Go. They're giving it to everyone. <laughs> Uh, and then of course the it's cake... a party the cake is for everyone <laughs> and then of course the cake uh, has nuts in it there's one little scene of a girl like going ham chopping up some nuts earlier we should have yeah we probably should have noticed that when we walked in yeah um and she's going a little too hard uh and you know a couple of the characters go out of their way to be like hey whatever you're eating doesn't have nuts in it does it yeah uh to to her and earlier she... i I noticed this time that her mom was like, you know she doesn't have an EpiPen right now, so be really careful. Uh-huh. Which um, kind of puts a little bit of responsibility on them a little bit that something might happen. Yeah, like maybe bring one of those around with you. Well, uh, they're very expensive, That's I true. Think. Uh, anyway, she gives herself an allergic reaction. Uh, so we get I, what I feel like is the first big scene of this movie the scene where you realize like how hard this movie's gonna go oh this scene uh sets 
the tone going forward for, oh, this is going to be dark, dark. I think this is the scene in the movie that, like, um, shittier versions of this kind of a movie just don't have. Or it's done, but it's done really poorly, if that makes sense. There is no needle drop moment of, oh, yeah. Oh, it's, it's this kind of it's this kind of movie. So, uh, Peter's driving her to the hospital, and he's driving too fast, and he's inebriated, uh, presumably. Uh, well, we saw him smoking a lot of that that mid that good weed. He it, says he says it's good weed, but mm, mm, it looks uh, like it looks like swag to it, me. <laughs> it looks like shit. Um, uh, you know, uh, Charlie's having trouble breathing. She. Uh, sticks her head out the window to get some air. Uh, there's a deer corpse on the road, or a, a goat, maybe even. Yeah, you you said you thought it was a goat. It looked like it looked like a goat to me. Um, Peter swerves to avoid it, but um, he kind of runs into the post from earlier, which uh, you know bonks Charlie right on the head. Uh, we see it that very graphically. Knocks her head off. Yeah, um, and this, like, I think this bits is just really good, where you just kind of stick on the actor's face for a minute as he kind of realizes, like, yeah, because it's it's the moment of realization of shock, like you, yeah. just everything just freezes. Yeah, everything is fucked up, and he just kind of sits there, and then he drives off. He pulls up to the house and then he gets out of the car and (laughs) goes to bed. And you stick on his face um, as like uh, night turns to day and it's the next morning and you hear the mom off screen be like, all right, honey, I'm going to get some balsa wood or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And then screaming uh, as she realizes it. I really love sticking on. Uh, Peter's completely expressionless face here as we yeah, get Yeah, because all of that. he's just, he's stayed in shock the entire time. And you feel the dread of like, oh, she's gonna find her daughter. And and the real big like twist of the knife here is they cut to the head on the road covered in bugs. Yeah, uh, I remember being really shocked in the theater that they actually show this because it is so well, gruesome. Well, and they've been they you know they are so restrained up until this point with how they show it. You see for a split second you see her head make contact with the post just enough where you're absolutely sure she's she's dead. Uh, you have, you know, the slow scene that plays out where you never see the body. He never looks at it, right? Um, everything with the mom is happening off screen. She's screaming off screen. But from her reaction, you're imagining how horrible it's, it's going to be. Yeah, it's terrible. And Tony then Collette's acting is, it really gets you here. Yeah. Um, and then the head is even worse than you imagine. It's, because it's, you know, yeah. covered in in bugs that are crawling all over it. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, oh, it's horrible. It fully hits you. Um, Just like the escalation of, oh, a child is dead to, oh, you're seeing it. Yeah. It's very, very tough. Yeah. But also, like, I, I kind of love the balls of it. Yeah, I like, mean. Like, I feel like more movies need to just go for it. Yeah, I, I think it is the movie being like, no, these are the fucking stakes of the movie. Like we're... because there are so many, there are so many movies, so many directors that are just they won't do child death at all, and I think I think it's kind of cowardly, because death comes for everyone. Let's not pretend. And I mean, it is so. It is like obviously, um, I guess I'll use the word exploitative, 
Um, it's, you know, um, for shock value, basically. Oh, it's, it's shocking. It's very yeah. harsh imagery, but I think um, sometimes it belongs, you know? Yeah, I, I kind of feel the same way. Like, I, I understand... Sometimes it is for a purpose. I understand people who have, like, a strong negative reaction to, like, seeing gore, especially when it's, like, not... Um, abstracted at all when it's not like a metaphoric at all when it's very literal i can understand feeling like not even just squeamish about that but like i don't want to like be in that mental headspace Mm -hmm. exactly but i think this is actually like very effective at getting you to the place emotionally you need to be at to meet the characters where they are in this moment right yeah because Um, you deserve to be horrified because everyone is horrified by it because Yeah. And we're we're actually what this movie is telling you is that we're not going to be kind to you and pull away. No. We're going to You're going to see You're going to fucking see shit. it. We're going to put it right in front of your fucking face and make you look at it. Um which is I think, you know, it, it's uh, a choice. I think it yeah. I yeah. think it has its place. And I, I another thing that I love about uh Tony Collette's performance here, she's really giving it with the screaming and it's really you really feel the emotion behind it, but also you feel like the self-loathing and the in the wailing and the yeah. her blaming herself for making him take her out and her being angry at him for doing this and not telling her and all of it and you you get all of it in just the screaming yeah which is uh you know kind of she's, kind of amazing yeah she's uh she's really intense in this movie which um yeah, I guess she's not really a horror movie person. She kind of had her doubts at first, but then she read the script and really wanted to do it. And I kind of, I just, I love when an actor sees what could be, you know? Yeah, I feel like she got a lot of recognition for how great she is in this too. Which, I know, yeah. I think she deserved like best actress personally, but they were never going to do that. Well, you know, in the in the A24 world that we live in now, maybe, you know? Not yet. Ma- yeah, um... <laughs> So, yeah, we get the funeral, kind of wake. Uh, Mom is still, you know, screaming. Yeah, um, I, it always it always hurts to see a tiny coffin, you know. Oh, sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, like, you get a little bit of the family dynamic playing out here where, like, dad is uh, still kind of solemnly uh, uh, presenting to everyone, even though he's very sad. Uh, this character is kind of an interesting character. He fascinates me. <laughs> He's very much like the the American dad, uh, like but the, not the American, but not dad. the American dad. <laughs> He's not. He doesn't have like an alien living in his house. Um, um, but he he's just like the um, kind of like very masculine, very like uh, I'm going to be like solemnly sad, but I'm not going to really show yeah, it. Yeah, he's kind of like a ghost in this movie where you forget about him a lot. Yeah, because he's not really doing much well and but he is there and and there's a certain like he's not willing to do anything about it because he's not he doesn't he doesn't want to do it and the way that like men sometimes um are emotionally very cold because they don't want to do that kind of uh work and they just kind of retreat and are very passive in that way um leaving kind of all of the heavy lifting to you know the mom which she's clearly resentful of right um but he still um, won't be seen as not, you know, the, the the brave face and everything. So he still sees everybody while she's, like, laying on her bed in her room during the wake. Um, uh, 
so we kind of see the next few days uh, progress. Annie's like sleeping up in the treehouse. Uh, she's got like the heater on, which gives it this eerie red light. Um, yeah, I think uh, it would burn down this treehouse. <laughs> it definitely would. This is definitely a fucking fire hazard. Uh, Peter's having a bad time at school. He's not really able to focus because you know he killed his sister. Wait, uh, well. <laughs> You say killed his sister, and we're gonna keep saying that, but I... It truly is a freak accident. Absolutely. Like, I don't think... I was saying to you, I don't think him being technically higher inebriated has anything to do with what actually happens. Uh, you know, I wouldn't drive high, but I see your point. Like, the, in terms like, of I the think exact mechanics that happen... If something's in the road, you're gonna swerve anyway. And her head is out the window. Like, you can't really control that part of it. I think that's all just kind of the natural turn of events and it's just like truly a tragedy yeah but i guess what i would say is that even in a moment where like you're emotionally very heightened and trying to take control of the car oh i don't think it helps with the response after but i don't think him in his driving it was really that much of a factor uh he he might have been able to be more in control ahead of the accident if Mm. you were not uh that could also be true so yeah um uh, mom thinks about uh, going back to the kind of group therapy meeting and is like, fuck this, and leaves, but immediately Yeah, gets... what, do you, what do you say when you walk <laughs> in the second time after that? But... And you're like, oh yeah, my daughter's dead as well. Um, uh, but she gets flagged down by uh, Joan, who is like this uh, very nice-seeming lady who kind of talks with her. Um, you know, uh, she explains what happened. Joan is like, oh, well, my son died as well. And, you know, here's my number if you need anything. The so kind here's of... my number. <laughs> so call me, maybe. It's, it's this character that's, like, very overbearingly um, wants to help you in a way that you maybe don't want, but also a way that nobody else is giving you. So it's a good, it's a good little character of Joan. Mm-hmm. I like her. Um, the mom's having trouble sleeping. Uh, Peter's having, like, hallucinations and hearing shit, like the popping noise. Um, yeah, he hears the, the tongue pop. Yeah. Which is a... Uh, Again, they, they make good use of it, yeah. yeah. Uh, but Annie decides she's going to meet with Joan, who, you know, they have they talk about their problems. And uh, she, <laughs> she explains that she almost burned herself and her children alive while sleepwalking. You know, like you will. Uh, I, I think this scene is so good. Um, she very clearly, again, cannot accept any fault for this. She's um, like, it was definitely sleepwalking. We- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and, she, you know, she's mad that her son holds it against her, which, of course, he would. <laughs> she, I I don't think yeah. you come back from that well, <laughs> in and, your, uh, your parental relationship. Well, and, and clearly she hasn't put in the work to really try either she she just thinks that he's resentful of her on her end also what do you say <laughs> <laughs> well i don't know you know you could go and have counseling or something like that or well, go and say you know do something about it instead of just saying i was obviously sleepwalking anyway yeah. um she's now doing you know miniatures of charlie's death of the car crash a the neutral dad, view of the accident the dad just says jesus christ <laughs> which how does she know what this looks like yeah um did they go? Did they have to go back and find the head? Like I don't want to think about that. <laughs> God. Uh, and this all kind of culminates in a blow up at dinner, um, 
where she just fully goes for it and is like, all I do is worry and slave and defend you. And you could have just said sorry and it would all be fine where she kind of demands um, that Peter, you know, uh, atone for his sins and admit his faults. Uh, and he's like, well, fuck you. You have your own things that you won't admit to. Poor um, Peter, by yeah, the way. Yeah, for real. This, just... is why, this is why this is a pro-Peter viewing because he, he just... Dad made dinner and he's just like, dinner's really good, Dad. And she does the bitchy mom thing of like, huh. Yeah, and then, like, he, and then he's like... The he's like, what? Yeah, he's like, is there anything wrong, Mom? And she's like, well, you're always smirking at me. And it's like... He's like, what? What the fuck? <laughs> which is clearly not his fault. She's clearly just kind of off the deep end, which yeah. you would be, but... Yeah. Um, so one day she's like uh, buying some... some craft supplies and she runs into joan randomly she, ru- she has to go to that store for so much fucking balsa wood that she has some in the shot she's getting more wood i know uh and you know joan uh convinces her to do a seance in a very very like real in terms of the dialogue i really i really like the way that it is very frantic and very like pleading uh it's really good just, if you've seen this movie before, seeing Joan being like, oh, hi, the parking lot is so funny to me. <laughs> she said all that shit up. Um, uh, Annie's, you know, having auditory hallucinations and visuals. She's seeing, like, bugs on the walls. The, there's hearing, like, the tongue pops herself. Um, the music... She wakes up and there are ants all over yeah all over peter which is crazy yeah the music really like kicks in here really good um the music in this movie in general is fucking great oh yeah you don't want to listen to this while you're smoking marijuana you will get very (laughs) scared uh yeah and she she uh sees bugs crawling over peter she wakes up from dreaming she's sleepwalking he says why are you scared of me and she admits that she never wanted to be his mom and was pressured into having a kid and that's tried it. to miscarry. That's and... a crazy word vomit moment that she yeah. has where she like cannot believe that she just said it. She even tries to like put it back in her mouth yeah. a little bit and can't do it. Um, and he says, you know, you tried to kill me. And then she bursts into flames like the time that she, uh, you know, poured, tried to kill him. poured paint thinner all over yeah. them. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then she wakes up. Uh, and she actually comes and wakes him up. And there's a camera move here where it kind of goes like, vroom, as she like pulls him up out of bed. That's really good. Um, and it's time for maybe my favorite scene. Because uh, it's time for the home seance. Oh, God. She has figured it out. Um, and we get just this great scene of Tony Collette really fucking going for it. And getting more and more like increasingly frantic and not pleading. doing a great job of not looking insane. Yeah, looking... As insane as you can possibly look, trying to trying to get uh, her son and husband to do this uh, seance and talk to Charlie like with her. Six in the morning, yeah, which really gets me. You can tell she's been doing this for four hours and has just finally cracked it. And you know, uh, is, <laughs> she's like, I'm totally lucid. <laughs> um, and then uh, you know, the glass behind them breaks. The candle shoots a gout of flame. Uh, and Annie starts talking in Charlie's voice. That's, yeah, that's <laughs> creepy. But also, if you remember the TID thing, mm-hmm. it it's kind of interesting. Yeah. 
Uh, it, it's very creepy. It, it freaks both uh, the husband and the son out oh, quite a bit. Peter's terrified. I yeah. think, well, Tony Collette gets a lot of credit, but I think this teen actor is very good as well. Uh, yeah, Alex Wolf playing Peter. Yeah, it, I he's think great. he's really good. Uh, the, the next scene is really good with him. He's in class, and the teacher's talking about the Great Depression. Uh, and he's, like, looking in his reflection, which is smirking back at him. And he hears the tongue pop, and he's freaking out. Yeah. Um, this kid needs to not go to school for, like, a month. He needs yeah, to take a year. Yeah, you need to not be in school. Um... Annie also needs to not be working on her project because the gallery is still calling her and in like a fit of rage, she destroys all of her dioramas. Uh, been there. <laughs> we've all been there. We've all been at the point where we have an emotional breakdown and we tear down all of our good Usually art. Usually it doesn't go past that though. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and she's uh, sleepwalking maybe. She finds uh, Charlie's drawings drawing themselves. Uh, which is really spooky. Um, Peter is seeing shit as well. He has like a dream uh, where he sees Charlie and is attacked uh, by hands grabbing at his head. You tried to pull my head off. Yeah, trying to pull his head off, which is <laughs> a common through line through this movie. Yeah. Uh, at this point, Annie's like, okay, I've like summoned a vengeful ghost and we're haunted now. So I'm going to burn this um, this uh, sketchbook of, of Charlie's and that's going to fix everything. But when she lights it on fire, her sleeve catches on fire. And then when she puts it out, her sleeve is put out. And yeah, it's got her. Yeah, like a Harry Potter or whatever. <laughs> God damn it. Um, she tries to go confront Joan about what's happening. And we, the audience, get to see inside Joan's apartment where she set up like her a fucking summoning altar. circle. Yeah, it's really good. Oh, it's a summoning triangle? Excuse me. It's a sigil, actually. Something. <laughs> um, uh, and Peter is also being uh, accosted by Joan, who is uh, invoking demons at him at school. I know, no one pays attention to <laughs> He looks around like, is anyone seeing this woman invoking demons at me? <laughs> and no one does, which brings me to my point. I think this whole town in Oklahoma is in on it. It's possible because okay, how many people do you think would actually need to be in on it for it to be for it to like run this little Oklahoma town? Because I think like forty people could do it. I think like a hundred people could do it. Yeah, <laughs> but I bet a bunch of people don't know no, but they know. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're like, oh, we don't look at the invoking. Yeah, we don't when when the invokers show up, we don't pay attention. Yeah, we look the other way. Uh, Annie finds, uh, in the attic some, or not in the attic, but, uh, she finds some identical floor mats to the one Joan has, uh, in her mom's stuff, which is I, great. I want there to be an Etsy seller that sells these so bad. I want yeah. one so bad. These are super cute. Uh, <laughs> so and, cute. Uh, even cuter, she finds a bunch of occult books and invocations, including some stuff about King Payman, a trickster. Honestly, they do look like they're all having a great time in that photo book. Yeah, there's like a photo book of the cultists like really having a great old time with uh, Grandma. Maybe it's not so bad. Yeah. Uh, and there's also pictures of Joan. Yeah, she, she's in there. <laughs> really good. Really good, like, small, quiet horror thing. Uh, Dad gets an email from the cemetery with pictures of an empty grave. You know, <laughs> but he has to tab over to that from writing an email to, like, the gallery... 
I'm sorry, my wife is possibly having or in the middle of, <laughs> and then the sentence stops there, well, he, which I think is really good. The, the email address that he's sending to you is to, like, a psychiatrist. Oh, okay. I thought yeah. it was the gallery, but I didn't see the email. Um, uh, Annie, uh, on cue, opens the, the door to the attic, and a bunch of bugs pour out, and she goes up there, and uh, her mom's corpse is up there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um... It's headless. Not fresh. No, yeah. It's quite blackened. Yeah. Like a like a salmon from the Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> uh, and at the same time, Peter is having a breakdown at school. He's smashing his nose into his desk. <laughs> uh, his dad uh, comes to pick him up. Yeah, well, I, yeah. This kid should not be at school. <laughs> no. Uh, and then we get to maybe my second favorite scene. The dad trying not to look at her while she's going <laughs> nuts outside the car is really great. Uh, yeah, where yeah they drive up and Tony Collette's like fully losing it and uh, trying to um, you know beg basically her husband for help and he is fully like oh I can't do this. My wife is having a psychotic break and thinks that we're being haunted by ghosts. And there's nothing that I can do about it to get her to stop. And I can't go along with it because that will just hurt everyone in my family. But I also can't ignore it because the person I love is pleading with me for help. And it's just very... And the whole time he has no expression on his face. Just like trying not to look at her. (laughs) Yeah. Like he doesn't want to look at her. Yeah. Um, It's it's an incredible scene. Yeah. uh, and you know, he, he like goes up and looks at the body upstairs and he's like, oh, you did this shit. Like this is, yeah, he fully <laughs> thinks she did it, which we don't really get an answer either way. I love that we don't. Yeah. I love that. It's totally unclear how the body got up there. Um, because this, this movie can be read a couple of ways that it's, it's either a supernatural movie or it's a mental illness movie. Or, or I think there's a third way, which is that it is a cult terrorizing a family movie. <laughs> um, I think that that would be number three. Because, like, you could imagine a scenario where these cultists are all um, well, very... Well, that's the supernatural side. I think, I think there's a non-supernatural version of that. Uh, where they're, you know, just getting this family to fucking kill each other. Uh you know, er- earlier there's a scene where, like, they're doing the seance or whatever, and uh, Joan has, like, slipped some mushrooms or whatever into Annie's tea and stuff like that. So just, like, you know, trying to fuck her up. Well, they are trying to fuck with them. Yeah. But also, yeah, she could be very, very sick. Yeah, it, she could also be, you know, um, uh, disassociating and, and be participating in some of this stuff. And Yeah. Um, so, uh... Uh, she's, like, getting more and more frantic with her husband, and he's just, like, shutting down, and he says, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to call the cops. And she's like, okay, well, I." she grabs the book from him when she's trying to get him to, to throw away the, the little uh, sketch pad and throws it in the fire, and then he immediately bursts in flames. This guy's really engulfed. Whoever he's, they yeah. have in this fire suit. Yeah, he, he uh, burns and burns, uh, and she's, like, screaming, and then she stops. Yeah, you see the switch flip, which is really scary. Yeah, it's it's like it's like nothing I've ever seen before in anything. It's pretty incredible. This is the point where the movie's like, all right, we've been in this high is, gear for a minute. 
Time to fucking go. This time, is the yeah. most nuts an ending has ever been. Yeah, time to hit the fucking... Time to hit the fucking nitrous on the end of this movie, and we're just gonna go off the ramp and into the fucking stratosphere for the last bit of this. So... Okay, we cut to Peter's room, where he is sleeping. He's uh, been out this whole time. He doesn't yeah. know any of this stuff that's been happening. Yeah. Uh, and it, the camera kind of pulls out, and you see that she is up on the wall, up in the corner. Yeah, this is, um... It took a few people in the theater a couple seconds to realize. I remember hearing people gasp when they realized yeah. in the theater what they were looking at, and it was so good. It was... I love that theater experience. People leave and like, oh, shit. Um, and then just as he would look to see her, she runs through the air on nothing uh, <laughs> out of the room, like, along the ceiling. Fucking incredible. It's crazy looking. Um, he, like, goes to wander around the house, and eventually he finds Crispy Dad. This is where I'm like, where's that dog at? Because <laughs> that dog would be eating that barbecue dad. We'll get answers to that. Oh, um, I hate the answers. And then... And then we pull back from him looking at his burnt-to-a-crisp dad, and she's, she's on there. the ceiling again. She oh, looks like a spider. It's so fucking great. Just, like, the whole posture of everything. Um, and then he kind of turns a little bit, and there's a naked guy. Oh, yeah, there's, like, 30 people <laughs> at their house. Yeah, there are just, there are just people naked in cultists the darkness. in the house. Um, they, they realize that... Um, the movie asked the question, what's the scariest thing a cultist could be? And naked. The, and the answer is naked and in a place they shouldn't be. Yes. <laughs> I think you could just say, I don't think they have to be a cultist. Yeah. I think they could be anyone. I think naked is the scariest anyone could be. Naked and in a place you shouldn't be, the scariest thing. That is the scariest thing. Um, uh, so uh, the mom chases Peter through the house and he runs up to the attic. She is, um, like... Woodpeckering? Holding on to the ceiling somehow and banging her head <laughs> into the attic door, which is a fucking incredible. Um, we get a great little slow pan to an outline where Grandma used to be. Yeah, she's not there <laughs> she's anymore. She's missing. Even better than a, a naked person where they're not supposed to be. Grandma na- where she's not supposed <laughs> to be. <laughs> a naked... A naked grandma is a naked she's grandma not, corpse is missing. She's not naked. She's in her little nighty. She's in her nightgown. Well, she's missing. Yeah, g- grandma's <laughs> missing. That's also scary. Uh, Peter uh, is like, I gotta wake myself up. I'm definitely <laughs> dreaming, right? Uh, and then you hear the squelching. You. This is. That's when the squelching started. This is this is the part where it like almost went a little bit too far for me in the theater where like <laughs> I was like You're being assaulted okay. and everything. Like, so <laughs> another another good bit is like earlier in the scene you see that there's like more naked people like in the attic with him. Yeah. You can't see. Yeah, yeah very there good. There are more and more naked people showing up. But anyway, his mom is um up on the ceiling. And she's got a fucking garrote around her neck, and uh, it's time for her to saw her fucking head off. Yeah, she's uh, she's going for it. It's like a it's like a piano wire or something. It's the 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 sound choice is fucking. The sound design is um incredible. Disturbed. Yeah, um, 
uh, he, you know, uh, Peter sees this and then he sees like a bunch of naked people standing around him in the attic and he jumps out a window. <laughs> what other choice do you have? <laughs> I mean... uh, he lands in a little flower bed, little, little light shines on him. He's okay. There's like a little light thing going on in this movie where it's just like yeah. an outline is just moving around. Well, that's, you know, that's the spirit. Yeah. Um, uh, mom's headless corpse, uh, floats into the treehouse. I love the look of that. It's really good. It's fun. Like, she's being pulled on a pulley, but there's no pulley. It's very good. It reminds me of old movies when they would, like, supersede, like, a, a ghost into the image Yeah, or yeah. <laughs> it does look like fucking transparency yeah. shit going on. Um, uh, Peter does the tongue pop. The Yeah, he's, uh, you can infer that he's kind of, like, possessed by the spirit now. Yeah, we also see the dead dog. I know, line. it's just... Dog could not escape. Dog that was not in the movie could not escape the movie. It was a cute little dog. It was a cute, cute dog. Cute little bread-shaped dog. Love I, dog. Love a, I love a dog shaped like bread. <laughs> um, we get some more naked cultists, but it's time for the last little bit of the movie. It's treehouse time. I... I love the treehouse. I love the music at this part. It's really fucking it going. Is, it is like the iconic hereditary music that I do think of yeah. with the movie. Um, and we see, so there's a bunch of kneeling naked cultists. There's headless mom and grandma corpses. Uh, and there's uh, Charlie's head on a statue of Payman with a crown. Um, there's also a... a Framed photo of Queen Lay, the grandma, uh, smiling on. Yeah, she would love this. Yeah, uh, and we hear Joan's voice kind of give us the the breakdown of like what has happened and what is happening. Yeah, she's like their like high priestess or something. Yeah, she's the one with clothes on, by the way. Interesting. Which maybe that could be an actress stipulation, but also I think it uh... cowardly. She's <laughs> don't say that. Uh, but she she gives us our final lore dump. She uh, addresses Peter as Charlie, uh, kind of confirming that he is possessed, and um, she says, "You're Payman. Uh, you're one of the eight kings of hell. Uh, we called you in, and we corrected your first female body, and now you're in a the, the healthy young male body. Uh, That's his preference. Uh, we we reject the Trinity." Please, please bring us honor, wealth, and good familiars, and bind all men to our will. Uh, hail Payman. Hail Payman. And we see uh, them put the crown on Peter's head, and we roll credits. He's in a great position in his life. <laughs> Things all worked out for him. In, well, when you think about it, they did work out for him. He's the head of a cult now. This is like people... And they have a great time. People work so hard for this. They put on great parties. Everyone has a great time in all the pictures. And he's going to be the most important person at every one of those parties. This is how they get you. Well, they're kind of selling me on it. <laughs> so that's that's uh, that's hereditary. How did it treat you on this watch? I always love this movie. Every time I've seen it. I dug this movie. I would say this is like... There's more uh, to notice about it every time you see it. Yeah, I think I noticed a lot more because I was trying to pay as close attention as I could for the summary. Um, and that was very rewarding, which 
a lot of movies when you try and pay attention to them to write a summary are not. <laughs> they so, fall apart immediately. So I appreciated that. I felt like a lot of the um, thematic and also like kind of unsaid stuff was a lot um, was very apparent to me and fun to think about. So, and then even on top of that, all of the really good scary bits really hit me this time i was like fuck yeah let's go yeah not only is it like a a thematic kind of really successful movie but also it's just a really good horror movie yeah i feel like, like the horror moments work really really well they work for me like there's so many movies where like i think the story is pretty good i think the characters are good but like it tries to be a horror movie and just isn't very scary this movie's scary yeah, I feel like the combination of, like, acting, soundtrack, direction, themes, like, it's just, it's, there's nothing really like it. It's, it's got it. It's got it all. It's, it's, uh, it was super good. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I feel like That's we... That's why it's my fall favorite. You know, we went, we went pretty long on it, but, um, I think it deserved it. I think it deserved it, too. Uh, definitely. Uh, I, uh, you know, we could uh, we could expand we could expound on it more if we want to. But basically, like, I... I could talk about this movie for three hours. Yeah, I, I just really enjoy um, kind of... No matter which character you kind of think about the movie from, like, from who, whoever's perspective you pick, there's, like, multiple ways to think about the movie that are compelling... And don't yeah, necessarily, can, like, cancel each other out. They kind of support yeah. each other in cool ways. Like Yeah, you can approach it from different directions on different views, which is exciting for a multiple-time viewer. Yeah, there's so many movies where, like, I kind of watch it one way and it's like, well, that's just kind of the movie. Yeah. Like, you know, I can try and find, like, maybe there's, like, one cool thing to think about if I wanted to, you know, uh, worm away at it for a while. But this movie's just, like, got a lot on there to mess around in, so... Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Should we should we, you know, give it our our number stamp of approval? This might it might break the system. This might be our highest rated movie. I think this is going to break our rating system. Cuz let's start off with the spookiness rating. How good were these scares and the vibes? It's a 5. I think it's 5. It's 5. Yeah. It's fucking scary. It's really fucking scary. Yeah, I agree with that. In the theater, it was nuts it was an immaculate theater movie i have to say i i think we had the benefit of having a really good audience mm-hmm. you don't want a bad audience for this movie you I'll agree want with that. you want people who are silent to the core <laughs> the entire time yeah um i but even just like watching this movie like in my home where i've seen it a bunch of times i still feel myself getting excited when it zooms out and there she is up on the fucking ceiling and shit yeah. it's like oh it's so good um incredible five five out of five next up is watchability how easy is it to throw this movie on and have a good time this is the only score i could see not giving a five mm. it's close maybe a four for me i think it's a four. i will watch it anytime but you have to be in the right mood for it. It is not an easy watch. It's a heavy movie. <laughs> I think it is. The thing is, I think there's weird like... weird people, so we like it. We like it. Uh, I think there's a lot of value on rewatch, which I always want to give credit for in watchability. Yeah. I think, like, it's really solid. I never have a bad time when I watch it. I don't always, like, want to watch it, if that makes sense. Uh, but 
Uh, when I do, it's really fucking good. So, yeah, uh, four out of five for me. Yeah. Um, and then last off, we kind of spoiled how we feel about this, but the Vincent Price vamp rating, the campiness and overall performances. I mean, just Tony Collette alone gives this movie five. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It's kind of hard to beat her. It's one of my favorite performances in anything. And on top of that, I don't think anybody else is really being a slouch either. Like No, I, I think they're trying to keep up with her, as hard as that is. <laughs> like, nobody hits the same heights as her in this movie, but nobody disappoints me when they're on screen. Yeah. Uh, you know, it helps that there's only, like, five speaking roles that's, in, like, the whole yeah, movie. But that's true. everyone's really pulling their weight and, like, doing something and, like, adding something to the performance yeah. with their, like, physical performance. Even and, the kids are really good. Yeah. Like, not something that I would expect at all. So, mm-hmm. uh, it's fucking five. Yeah, I think so. That's a 14. That's almost as high as we can go. I, I It's feel... almost a perfect score. Uh, I don't think there's anything that gets a perfect score ever, but I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. Uh, you know, I think we gave Black Christmas like a 13, 14, something yeah. like that. It, I think 13. Yeah, the, this movie and Black Christmas are like right up there. It's like mm-hmm. my favorites. Uh, uh, for the podcast. For the podcast. Yeah. You know, uh, maybe The Thing was also up there for sure. Yeah, The Thing. In terms thing, of numbers. Definitely. Uh, yeah, fucking, fucking great movies. Amazing. So, we need to get to... Are, are there any last thoughts on Hereditary? Uh, you know, if you're... Okay, I know specifically there's a chance that one person I know doesn't like this movie. Yeah. And might have listened to this podcast. And if you have made it all the way through us talking effusively about this movie, and you're annoyed at us right now... <laughs> Deal with it. It's wanna, a good movie. I kind of want to know why, though. I, I kind of want them to talk to me why. You know, if if you do, if you do want to uh, want to call in and tell us how you feel about any of the movies, but especially this one, I'm curious. I. It's really funny you say that because I read about how this movie kind of scored poorly with audiences, as opposed to critics. I think that might have to do with the marketing of it. That's interesting. Because I feel like it's not really like a mass marketing movie necessarily. I feel like it's kind of a niche movie at the end of the day. Where like you kind of have to be like a a horror weirdo to really like get some of the stuff going on. But I also think one thing going on with this movie that's different from... That's different from other movies like it is it, it's hard to like root for anybody in this movie. Um, in that a never way. turns me off of anything, though. I kind of like a bad people movie. Definitely, I, I think this movie. I respect it a ton for committing to the bit in terms of like, uh, yeah, we're gonna talk about fucked up um, familial relationships, and nobody's gonna get out of this clean. Uh, everyone is at fault. Everyone, no one is free from sin, and we're gonna. You you could argue that the teenager is a teenager, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, I mean he he has his stuff too, but like. Um, I just appreciate that, like, specifically the, the mother character, Tony Collette, like, it's so easy with how strong her performance is to come out of this movie, like, feeling really sympathetic towards her. But this movie um, really sells, I think, the ways in which she is very villainous and very cruel um, in a way that it's, like, not shy about showing. It's not um, shy about showing this uh, very vulnerable woman who has all of this 
trauma uh, make things worse for herself and the people around her in a way that, like, a less brave movie would not do. Um, and I think it's something that, like, maybe I could see some people having trouble uh, walking away from. And, like, it's a hard pill to swallow, maybe. But I think it makes the movie better for it. Yeah, I, I don't think it's an easy watch by any means. But also, I I would love to hear from someone who does not like this movie, who doesn't call it boring or start to talk about the phenomenon of grief movies or Ari Aster in general because I feel like those are always the three that come up. Yeah, I, you know, I can definitely see like, oh, it's just like a really solid good horror movie and like maybe people talking really effusively about it as like a big product of culture is could be annoying to people, but like that's another thing entirely though. It's different. Like I don't think you should hold that against this movie. This movie's good. Like you can hold it against those people and like we I think I think it will stand the test of time. And like we were very positive on this movie, but like I feel like we did a pretty good job of laying out our reasons for it and it's a very like uh you know, it's how it's our honest feelings, yeah. you know. Like I I understand that the culture machine can sometimes kind of produce these uh, uh systems where like movies get held up as like more or less culturally important and you know these are the movies that are allowed to be like five out of five and these are the movies that are ironically ironically i kind of feel that way a little bit about midsommar yeah like i I like that movie but i do not understand the obsession that came from it it's interesting because i think midsommar is a, a much more emotionally like satisfying movie to watch but i do think is a worse movie uh which is interesting it's not as good I would it's say, just not. I would say it's not as good, but I you walk away from that movie, and it's pretty easy to walk away from that movie kind of like hooting and hollering a little bit, um, which is like not even necessarily like the, the thing it wants you to have, right? Um, but um, it is like selling a certain kind of fantasy to you. Also just, um, it's impossible not to draw parallels with a movie that I already love way more, which is The Wicker Man. So. That's true. The Wicker Man fucking rules better in every way than Midsommar. My, sorry. my last fall favorite. Yeah, Wicker Man fucking... What do we give the Wicker Man? Uh, I don't know. It deserves a high rating. It's it, fucking great. Of course it got a high it's rating. It's the fucking best. Anyway. <laughs> speaking of fall favorites... It's your turn. It's my pick. It's your turn next time. Yeah, I thought about, you know, um, subjecting everyone to watching, like, another, like, weird uh, movie that uh, nobody's heard of. And I kind of did that. Oh? Well, I mean, people have heard of the franchise, but maybe not the particular entry that I'm selecting. I think I know what you're going to pick. Because we're doing Friday the 13th, Part 6, Jason lives. Oh my god, I'm I'm kind of really excited for this. Also, no one's heard of this movie before. That's so hilarious of you to say. <laughs> well, people have heard of the franchise. But... I'm I'm gonna give you a weird one you've maybe never heard of, which is Friday the Thirteenth. <laughs> Part six, Jason lives. No one talks about this movie. Oh, we're gonna talk about it. We're gonna talk about it. I fucking love this movie. We've seen it one time. Jason Lives Rocks. I, I will say, uh, you know, we've seen it one time. There's definitely room for, uh, maybe we won't like it the second time. Who knows? <laughs> no, no. It is definitely, <laughs> okay. the, I think it's okay. easily the best Friday the 13th. Here, here's why Here's why I know we're gonna like it. Because the circumstances that we watched it were we had just marathoned Friday the 13th All part 1 them. through 5. And there's maybe no situation more dire 
for your enjoyment of a movie than watching the first five installments of the franchise before you get to number six. What is the fifth one even called? A New Hope? No. (laughs) (laughs) A New Blood or whatever. That one doesn't have Jason in it. That's the worst it gets. And that one comes after. <laughs> we yeah we hit the fucking rock bottom of the franchise and then really liked this one. So there's... Friday the Thirteenth Five, a new hope. <laughs> a new hope. Uh, Friday... Jason strikes back. Jason strikes back. That's what we're gonna be watching. Yes. Uh, it, this movie fucking rips. Uh, uh, definitely. Um, I'm would not expect most people to have seen this movie, which is why I say like maybe people haven't heard of it. Oh come on! I think more people have seen it than you think. We'll see. I'm really excited to watch it again because we have not watched it since our initial viewing when we were kind of getting introduced to the Friday the 13th franchise. Yeah, and, I guess uh, that was a couple years ago. Yeah, so I'm excited to to revisit it. Um, definitely like a, a very different tone than yes. Hereditary. I think I would say the opposite tone. Yeah, perhaps the exact opposite. <laughs> um, uh, but look forward to that. That'll be in two weeks. We're going to try and have these come up every Wednesday. Yeah. Not every Wednesday. Every other Wednesday. Every other Wednesday. Uh, you should be getting this episode on the 11th, which means the next one will be on the 25th of October, right before your birthday. Wow. Wow. Happy birthday to me. <laughs> uh, that's it. Uh, tell people about the show. Yeah, you uh, can find us at Scary Pair on Twitter. We're at Scary Pair. Uh, you know, uh, if you like Magic the Gathering, I won a big Magic the Gathering tournament last weekend. Wow, good for you! You can find me at Seder underscore Wayfinder for my Magic the Gathering takes. That's cool. You know where to find me already. I'm also at Putrid underscore Imp for my... I don't know, we had our anniversary dinner. You can hear my anniversary dinner takes mostly that it was fucking <laughs> great. It's fucking great. I love being married. Ugh, being married is a lot of fun. Be- being married, fucking, I highly recommend it. It kicks ass if you're married to the right person. I gotta say. Well, I don't know what it's like the other way either. It but... could it could kick ass if you're married to the wrong person. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I don't know if that's true. I have no way of knowing. <laughs> but I'm having a good time. I'm having a great time. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Mwah. Love you. Okay. Ha, ha, ha.